Hello and welcome. Move Live presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. I'm Ryan Noonan, joined here as always by my friends Connor Allen, Sharp Clark, talking week six, week seven. Gosh, it's week seven already. Week seven, NFL size week and seven. totals. Uh, it's unbelievable. Uh, I don't have a ridiculous hat on today, so I feel really energized to talk football today. I'm not distracted at all. Uh, Clark, you do not have a ridiculous hat on as well. You can pull it off. I cannot, as we found out last week. Also means if you have that hat on, it means we're coming off of a nice winning week in week six. How are we doing? Yeah, I, I feel bad because it wasn't a winning week on the bets we gave out. Uh, thanks to those halftime bets not going so well, but I made money myself, so I got to wear the hat. I respect that. No problem at all there. Connor, joining us from uh, Parts Unknown. Where are you today, buddy? Yeah, I'm out in California celebrating my dad's birthday uh, this week. So, you know, working during the day, getting to hang out, eat some good food at night. The weather here, I mean, immaculate. It's like cold and rainy in Chicago, left, and then now uh, I'm feeling good. I get to work outside most of the day. Um, but, yeah, the, the studio setup here is not optimal, but, uh, you know, we're rolling with it. Yeah, look and sound good. It's all that matters. Uh, we'll live vicariously through you because it is gross here, though. It's okay. We got a little bit of sun coming out today. Uh, you know, last couple of days have been bad and next couple are going to be bad as well. So you're not missing anything here as, uh, as usual at this time of year in Chicago. So um, reminder, three of us are going to be here every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern on the 4 for 4 Bets YouTube channel. Uh, you should be able to find the podcast in your feeds on Wednesday evening. Subscribe either way, YouTube or podcast. So you don't miss a show. We really appreciate supporting the free content by subscribing to either the show or the podcast goes a long way in helping us bring you the best content and tools in the industry. Uh, taking a second to do that. We really appreciate it. Thumbs up here in the video, all those things. If you're on YouTube with us, uh, jump in the chat. Let us know what your favorite look on the board is for week seven. Um, we will get to uh, some of those if we have time here at the end of the show. Um, excited for, I can't believe we're already here. Right? We're already in week seven. We got week, six weeks down of information. I feel start to get really good about the sample sizes of stuff that we have. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, some stuff that I want to talk to you guys about here too. I want to remind you as well, uh, Friday, Move the Line Prop Drop Show. That's every Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern on both the YouTube bets, uh, 4 for 4 bets YouTube channel and then the podcast feed as well. That's Connor, myself, John Hyslop talking props uh, here. We're going to be more sides in total. A great time to scoop up the betting stuff as well. We're already discounted because we are this far into the season. Betting subscription gets you access to all that we do on 4 for 4. We got NBA starting in a week. You want NBA bets from us and our team. Uh, you want the betting subscription. You're still grinding season long. Any of those things, DFS, articles, tools, rankings, projections, all that stuff, along with access to the Discord where the three of us push out all of our official plays. Uh, you want to take advantage of that too. If you play on any of the pick'em sites, prize picks, underdog, vivid picks, we have channels there as well. Uh, take advantage of our uh, promo code here. Uh, what do we have right now? We got Prop Drop as a promo code, Connor. We got uh, what's our YouTube promo code? We got so many. Uh, make sure we get them all. Just YouTube, all caps, twenty five percent off. That that's probably the one uh, to go to for you know producer Sal and uh, let's, the let's take advantage of that one for Sal. all year. Yeah, yeah promo code YouTube, twenty five percent off of the already discounted price. Uh, that's going to take advantage of again. You're, at this point, you're you're paying peanuts. Uh, for again another 14 weeks of this, we're being, you know we go all the way through the Super Bowl, grinding props, uh, sides, and then you get all the NBA stuff as well. So check that out. Promo code YouTube 44com slash plans. Uh, teasers week, Clark. I want to talk to you about this. I messaged you guys last week a little bit when I was writing my weekly look aheads article, and kind of made note that this board looked like it was loaded with potential teaser likes. Uh, 
and you fired on one today for our subscribers. Uh, can you talk teasers in general um, when you're considering a teaser aside from the standard handicap, which again is a massive part of it and should probably be the primary part of it. Um, what are you looking for? Are we looking for um, some people might be familiar with, you know, the basic long teaser rules. Um, you're looking at some certain things like that. Is that something that's primary for you? Or uh, when you're looking to kind of find a viable teaser, like what are you looking for? Yeah, I think the easiest way to do it is to look for long teasers. That's, you know, one and a half to two and a half point uh, underdogs moving up to seven and a half to eight and a half or, or the other way around uh, seven and a half to eight and a half point favorites moving down because you're just capturing the most amount of value per point that you're moving. You know, every teaser is, a, you know, not every teaser, but using a six point teaser as a standard, you're always getting six points of value, but not, not all six points are created equal. Um, so that's the easiest way to do it. But um, what I look at in particular is, you know, how do I view the, the game at the current line? Right. So like, if I, if, if I like a seven and a half point favorite against the spread, then I probably really like that teaser leg, you know, cause I'm not only am I getting the six points of value through the seven and the three and the six and the four, I'm also, if I make it say nine and a half, I'm also getting a couple extra points of bonus value in that bet. So that's, that's a time that I might look to take a teaser. Um, and then the third thing to look at is specific matchups, right? Teams play differently in different game scripts and match up in different ways. So you can kind of project out, you know, there's a lot of variance that happens within a football game. And so you kind of have to play out the different scenarios of what happens, say, in the first half of the game and how that would lead to different ranges of outcomes of scores in the second half. Um, and so some matchups will lead to a higher concentration of uh, scores within that teaser range. And that's kind of the third thing I look at when I'm, I'm making teasers. Yeah, the math guys will tell you uh, to be very specific with what you're doing here. Um, you know, in terms of like, and I know teasing through zero, right? Because you're teasing through zero to your point, you're losing outcomes and, uh, you know, outs basically because games aren't ending, you know, at a half, um, zero minus a half. Um, are there instances in which you will do that if that happens to make sense to your other point, if you have say the handicap, so you like a team, um, you know, at minus two and a half, all of a sudden now you're getting them plus three and a half. Again, that's bad math. Um, but are there scenarios where, hey, they're not all created equal? Um, are you open to that, if that makes sense to your handicap? Yeah, I'm open to it. Um, I mean, the other thing you have to check is prices on all alternate spreads and money lines and make sure that you're actually getting the best value and attacking that play. But I'm not against anything outright. And I actually find it fun to kind of go against the the rules. Like, it's just kind of... I a, know you do. In, in no. my nature. Um, <laughs> there was one time, I've teased through zero one time in the last three years, and, it, and it, the leg did hit, so... You know, I, one game sample size, whatever, but um, it's very, very, very rare. Uh, Connor, what are your thoughts on teasers? I know it's not a big part of your portfolio typically, um, you know, but any thoughts to expand on anything that uh, that Clark had there? I think some of most of it. Well, I will play some wonks here and there, especially if I have a really strong take on you know a certain side. Um, unfortunately, one of those strong takes was the Niners last week, so uh, that didn't you know go as well as it should have. I also found a like in my DraftKings slip. I don't know what was going on. I think it was, I was traveling. So I was trying to get as much action out on the domestic things as possible before I go to a state where I can't bet. I found a three leg sweetheart teaser somehow. And I don't remember placing that, but it won. So, uh, and I did end up getting teased through the zero. Like again, you know, definitely zero out of 10 recommend doing a sweetheart teaser because I don't think the math ever maths there, but uh, I did it and I won. So that was kind of a fun little surprise to wake up to. Uh, but I, I, don't don't recall doing it but it was like niners bills and someone else where you get like all the way through the you know i mean it was like 13 points so 
Uh, Clark, do you do you take into consideration like the game state as well? So like when I think about we'll think about a couple of teams this week where we have say the uh, Falcons and the Bucks game, right? Total is is thirty eight and change or whatever. Versus say the Dolphins and the Eagles, where we can we've seen the Dolphins and the Eagles totals fifty two. We've seen both clubs win by margin, um, where that makes you a little bit nervous. Are you? Are you still open to it when there's teams that can win by margin, or do you prefer to, to find options when the game totals are a little bit lower? I definitely factor it in, but I don't, I don't use game totals because it, it depends on how that team is made up in terms of what they do on offense and defense. Um, I actually tend to think in general higher totals are better for teasers. I, I think you hear a lot of people say the opposite, and I don't think that's backed up by the math. I, I, I've yet to see someone prove it using the math. It doesn't mean that it's not out there. Um, but in my experience, like when you're dealing with teaser legs, especially ones where you're moving up from under three to over seven, you want to be in games that feature good offenses because those are the types of games where if there's a bunch of scores on one side, you have more faith in the under in the team that's losing to get within that number late. Whereas like we talked Bucks Falcons, this, this, you know, the totals 38. If one team goes up big, like, do you really want to be relying on Desmond Ritter or Baker Mayfield to get that team within the you know, within the eight and a half, like I don't, that, that, that's a teaser spot that I'm actually avoiding because I don't trust uh, Desmond Ritter in this case, because they're the two and a half point underdog. Um, I don't trust him in that type of game flow to be the, the quarterback that delivers that comeback. Interesting. Yeah. It's a, that's a good, good point. An interesting topic. I've seen a lot kind of thought we were going to get there this week. And again, some, some have moved a little bit and aren't necessarily in teaser ideal teaser range, but I thought we would see, a lot of discussions in the market uh, this week and, you know, on uh, Twitter and stuff like that. And we started seeing it in content and I wanted to get your guys' uh, thoughts on it a little bit. So uh, yeah, let's jump into our uh, favorite games here. Best games on the board for week seven. Uh, we will start with the lions and the Ravens. They're in Baltimore, uh, Baltimore, pretty much. Let me make sure here. We're still at three for the most part across the board. Uh, and our total in Fandle, 42 and a half, mostly 42s everywhere else. So you can shop that around a little bit. Uh, three straight on the road for Baltimore. Good for them to be home for the first time since week three. Took care of the Titans last week, despite settling for field goal after field goal. Typically not a recipe for success and look, likely won't be enough to get it done here against Detroit. This is back-to-back on the road for the Lions. I took care of business last week against Tampa Bay. I think it's safe to say we all expected pretty good things from these clubs coming into the season. I think we all thought the expectations at least would be that the offenses would carry them. Both offenses have been fine. They're among the top half in the league. Lions a little bit more consistent. Defenses have really dictated the early season success for both of these clubs, Connor. I'll let you get started here with Lions-Ravens. Yeah, this is an interesting spot here and one that I'm interested in fading the Ravens, especially their defense here. We've seen them so far, especially in the passing game. They played against Tennessee, Houston, Pittsburgh, Dorian Thompson, Robinson, you know, like Cleveland team and injured Joe Burrow and then Gardner Minshew. They've allowed only over five and a half yards per attempt to just Kenny Pickett. And now they're getting a Lions offense that I think is like significantly better than basically every iteration of every team that they've played so far. And so I think in this spot, it's could be a, a good spot, you know, I think for the Lions passing game potentially. Now, I, I think that the Ravens defense is probably good. Again, it's one of those things where I don't want to say that they're bad, but they're definitely, I would say almost certainly not as good as the numbers suggest here. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, I have some concerns, uh, you know, about this Ravens passing game. Lamar, uh, you know, one of the most pressure dependent quarterbacks in the league right now. 
And the Lions this season are doing a really good job of getting pressure without blitzing. 36.9% of the time getting pressure without blitzing, which is eighth in the league. And they're not blitzing as much as they were last year because they don't have to. So I think that could be a factor in this one specifically. Um, I think we're looking at Lions against the spread here is probably my favorite look. Um, but, you know, there's some other good matchups for the Ravens offense, but I'm just not really sure how, how they're consistently moving the ball here. Um, because I mean, Lamar has been a roller coaster. They somehow blew a lead. I mean, they should have won that game by I don't know, 30. I mean, it, like I, I thought of it was like crazy that they blew that game. So yeah, that's probably my take here. Yeah. I can't keep settling for field goals typically and, uh, you know, have a lot of success. It worked last week, but, uh, Clark, what are your thoughts on this matchup? It's an interesting one. It is. I love, I love a matchup like this. I feel like there's, there's strong opinions on both sides and a lot of market support on both sides, which I love playing these games. You can make a case that either defense is completely overrated in their metrics, right? The Ravens' angle is they've played all, a bunch of backup quarterbacks. So, you know, how, how can you really, how good can this Ravens' defense really be based on their numbers against, I think, three backup quarterbacks now? CJ Stroud in his first ever game. Um, and, you know, even last week, uh, Tannehill went out halfway through the game and, and was replaced by Malik Willis, who's no good. Um, whereas the Lions' defense has played a bunch of bad teams, right? They're not backup quarterbacks, but they're, you know, the Bucks, the the Falcons, the, the the Seahawks actually played well against them. That was the one team that really played well against them on offense. Um, and so, you know, the Panthers, are, ha, has their resume really been impressive? But what I love about the Lions defense is that with because they haven't been playing backup quarterbacks, you can compare the offensive performances by the teams that played against them based on their season averages. And in every case except for Seattle, every offense has played significantly below their season average when playing the Lions. Um, and a lot of people will say like, well, you know, Baker Mayfield missed some throws and, you know, there were a bunch of drops in the Chiefs game and Patrick Mahomes. But like the Lions force those things to happen. They're making it difficult for opponents to make throws. Um, and so I, I don't think you can just chalk that up to variance. I think this Lions defense is playing really, really well. And in this matchup in particular, uh, they've struggled in the past with sort of running quarterbacks because they've played a very heavy man blitz heavy approach on defense. And that leads to a lot of, you know, running quarterbacks getting outside contain and making huge plays on the run. But their defensive scheme is so entirely different this year. They've been playing a massive amount of zone and not blitzing, like like uh, Connor said. So I think it's going to be a very different experience for Lamar Jackson against a very tough defense. Um, there's always concerns when Jared Goff is playing in potential elements. But uh, my numbers, you know, my simulations make this about Ravens minus one and a half as, as a median outcome. So uh, once the money pushed it up to plus three, uh, for me, it's a play on the Lions at plus three. Whoa, 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 simulations. That doesn't sound pretty – that's not very vibey. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I like vibes. T turns out I use more than vibes. <laughs> okay, well, all right, simulations. We'll roll with it, I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, so we – you know, we're again, this is where we were last week on a Wednesday afternoon trying to forecast weather ahead of time, and it gets a little dicey. It looks like we should have a little bit of weather issue again on the East Coast. There could be some rain. There could be some wind. Um, that was not really a concern for Jerry Goff. Last week in Tampa Bay, um, there was a little bit of wind, but not much. Now we get into a spot where maybe there's a little bit of wet ball and uh, some wind here for Jerry Goff. That could be part of it. Because I think it really does come down to who's able to throw the ball really well here. Um, when you kind of look at these, both these clubs want to run the ball. They're second and third in rush rate on the season. It is very much part of their identity. Um, and I think really comes down to is it golf in the pocket or is it something that uh, we can get Lamar to? And they, you know, they're at least healthy. Like they've been really struggling with keeping all these receivers. We talked about this, like all of a sudden all this depth in the passing game and the receivers, Lamar's never played with the depth in the receiving core, this 
uh, like he has the season. We just haven't had him healthy. They finally kind of are. Maybe they can find a groove here with some injuries too. Obviously, David Montgomery looks like he's going to be out. Jameer Gibbs, probably the main beneficiary from that. Um, last time in the spot, we thought he'd be incorporated heavily in the passing game, and they just ran him off guard all game. So interesting to see what happens there. A couple of safeties on both sides, which I think are impactful. Looks like Marcus Williams probably out for the Ravens. We're still waiting on Brian Branch's practice report and see how that, that trends on the Lions side. Um, interesting game. I want to have a little bit more idea of, of the health of both clubs and then see where the weather is for real. But I think it's an important game for, for, for both of these clubs. And, you know, it could be a little bit of coming back from London hangover too. I don't know if that's a real thing. Didn't seem to be a thing for the Jags last week. They looked pretty good, but uh, yeah, I want a little bit more information. But I think it's going to be one of the most important games of the weekend in terms of where we see the teams moving forward. Like this could be a really big, big win for the Lions to propel them uh, and make us feel like maybe they're a little bit more legit than they really are. So it to be a good one. All right, next, Atlanta is on the road in Tampa Bay. Big divisional game. Bucks two and a half point, home favorites here. Total on FanDuel, 30 and a half. 38s in the market as well. Um, so shop around depending on what you want to do. This division is is absolutely terrible. I, we tried, I think. I, maybe there's a little bit of optimism. I think it's just a quarterback play. I just am not a believer in any of them. I cannot wait to bet against whichever one of these clubs is hosting a home game in the divisional or wild card round. I just don't think they're very good. Um, this is week six. I'm sorry, week seven. Like This has pretty significant playoff ramifications with the winner here. According to PFF's playoff predictor, these clubs have the most at stake in terms of their playoff chances. Um, it swings drastically either way with a winner loss in terms of uh, what's going to happen with these clubs. Now, again, the Saints are in the mix. The Panthers have removed themselves from the conversation. But again, all three of these teams are, are very much viable for winning this division. Uh, Clark, I'll let you get started here. Uh, I've already talked about not having a ton of faith in Desmond Ritter in terms of a teaser leg. Although I do think the Falcons are an interesting teaser like here at this point. What are your thoughts on Falcons Bucks? Yeah, yeah, from a from a game flow perspective, I'm skeptical, but you know, I I do think that the line is a little bit high. You know, I I make it closer to pick them. I'm not like around 1.1 for Tampa Bay. Uh, but that's not enough for me to play it, especially with sort of uncertainty at key positions, namely quarterback for Atlanta. You know, he's playing on the road. We we've seen already even though it's a young career, like he does have some pretty significant home road splits. Um, I think getting Ritter uncomfortable is is how you disrupt this offense um, and also stopping the run, both both of which the Bucks will do because they have a pretty decent run defense and they love to blitz. Um, so it's it's just not a situation that I want to get involved in on the Falcons, even though, you know, gun to my head, I have to pick a side. I'd probably tease the Falcons up, like you said. Um, what I do like in this game is the under, um, although it's come down a bit. I, I you know, thir- 38 and a half is, is sort of borderline play. Um, I still think there's value there, though, because – these these teams are so dominated by their defense and 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 they both want to run the ball they both probably will have some failures running the ball because both defenses are good and that's going to lead to a lot of third and longs for quarterbacks who are inconsistent on third and longs so what we're going to see is like a three and out here a first down or two first downs gained on this drive and then a punt it's going to be a field position battle um this isn't the type of game where i see a lot of explosive plays uh, on either side of the ball and and i think the way that you know, defenses have been playing in, in 2023 has led to a lot of unders because of this style of play. Um, and I think that's no exception here. I think even though the total looks like it's super low, I don't think it's low enough. I would play all the way down to 38. Uh, once you get under 38, I think it's it's a little too dicey. Connor, where are you at in this matchup? 
Yeah, if you remember back to last week's show, we talked about how Baker Mayfield under pressure was one of the best quarterbacks in the league so far this season. Uh, and then this last week, uh, that did not prove to be true. Completed just five of 12 passes, 4.4 yards per attempt when pressured last week. So I think regressing a little bit to his career mean because, you know, over the course of his career, he has not been very good under pressure. So that made a lot of sense. But in this spot here, it's interesting. And one of the things that I saw was that both teams like rush defense metrics, I think are a little bit overrated. So right now Atlanta first in run to EPA, but just 11th in success rate, uh, Tampa Bay top three in run to EPA, but just 18th in success rate. So it's one of those things where they're not allowing touchdowns. They're not allowing big plays necessarily, uh, which, you know, obviously influence EPA, but on a play to play basis, they're like about league average. So how does that work though, with this Falcons team that honestly has not really been able to establish the run as well as we have anticipated. And like, have struggled to you know establish that identity and have had to rely on Desmond Ritter. I think a lot more than they would have liked uh, at least the last few weeks. So for me, it's a no play in this game because again, like I want to continue fading Baker Mayfield, uh, you know, basically as much as possible. I'm just not sure if this is another spot to do so because if I had any faith that Atlanta could kind of find their rhythm offensively, I think I'd feel a little more comfortable with that. But uh, I just can't quite get there yet, especially plus two and a half. If for some reason it gets to three, I think that would probably be worth uh, a play. But I, I don't really think it's going to get there. Yeah, I mean, Washington did not, did not play good football last week and came out of there with a win, uh, which is problematic if you're, I think, bullish on the Falcons at all. And yeah, I think they are having to lean a little bit more on Desmond Murder than they want to. Um, I do think that the Tampa Bay run defense is fraudulent. There's some underlying metrics in terms of like, you know, power rate or uh, stuff rate that are that are not good. Um, there's some other things that make them look a little bit better than they are. So be interested to see if Atlanta can, can move the ball on the ground against them. Now on the other side, like, yeah, Baker, we think it's fraudulent. What I do know for sure is that regardless of whatever we think of Atlanta's rush defense, they just can't uh, – the Bucs just can't run the football. They just can't do it. They, they've they struggled all year last year. They've done it again this year. Like they just – they have no luck at all, and that becomes really problematic when – you have a spot here where like I think A.J. Terrell is a pretty nice corner. He's had some success probably more than – others in the league at this point in terms of shadowing. So I think he probably gets a lot of Mike Evans. Now that doesn't mean that Mike Evans can't win those individual matchups. He's Mike Evans. He's, you know, a great one-on-one contested catch guy. I think it just puts a lot of pressure on Baker. If there are times when his top option is maybe eliminated, they can't run the football and he's got to figure out what to do with the rest of it. I don't feel really good about that outcome. So I like Atlanta as a viable teaser like here. I don't feel confident about them at two and a half. I don't feel confident about them on the money line or anything like that. But for me, it would probably be Falcons teaser or nothing. Um, we'll have to wait and see if there's uh, you know, I don't think there's really any injury news or anything here that would make me uh, move off of this. So I uh, probably will include Atlanta into a teaser legacy. If the guys can talk me into another part of that here. So that would be my lean. I just want to kind of find ways to continue to, to say that I think the first two weeks of Baker were really fraudulent and I want to find ways to kind of, go against it when I feel like that's maybe still being baked into his season long numbers, just insane third down rate and insane like red zone efficiency. Those things just haven't been a staple of his career. The well, same thing with the Bucks defense. Now that might be a thing too. They've been really good defensively inside the red zone um, limiting. I think their tops in the league uh, lowest scoring rate for opposing offenses. That has not necessarily been, you know, Desmond Ritter's not necessarily a world beater there. So maybe that's not the week that that gets busted, but I think that probably comes uh, back into the uh, you know more league average than we see over the course of the season. More memories are made when you're there for live NFL action. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. 
As the official marketplace of the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best views of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash NFL. Next, another division game. This one's interesting. The Chargers in Kansas City. Uh, the Chiefs, five and a half point favorites here. Total on FanDuel, 47 and a half through our 48s. There are 48 and a halfs in the market as well. So shop around if you have a uh, total lean. It's a tough scheduling spot for the Chargers. They are traveling in the division, short rest after playing Monday night uh, against Dallas. The Chiefs have been able to sit on their hands at home, coming off of a mini buy, hosting the Broncos last week. I kind of hate. They can't do this better. Uh, um, I don't know. AI was supposed to be involved to help with the schedule. Just seems like an unfair little schedule break here for the for the Chargers, uh, Clark. But I know you kind of like them in the spot, or at least enough to take a little, some extra points here on the teaser leg. What does my What does my cat think? I don't know. Um, I <laughs> you know before the season started, I looked up, I looked at the spot, and I was expecting to be a hammer the Chargers kind of spot. I think the look ahead was right around plus five and a half what it is now. But after after six weeks of play, you know, grading every game and and running the simulations, like I can't get there on the Chargers at this number. They they just haven't been as good as I expected. Um, and so even though the Chiefs haven't necessarily been as good on offense, the way that they've been playing defense has been materially better. Um, and Justin Herbert misses Mike Williams and Corey Lindsley again. You know, just like last year, he was noticeably better when his weapons were down. And the same thing is happening this year. He's He's not proven to be the kind of quarterback who's immune to, you know, losing players on offense. Like he, he kind of does need a little bit of a supporting cast, even though he's so good at escaping pressure and has those intangible, you know, qualities that tend to make quarterbacks uh, situation proof. He just hasn't proved it on the field yet. Um, so I've been a little disappointed in Justin Herbert, but I still have, we still have, you know, four years of data of, of who he is and I'm not overreacting to, you know, one primetime game against, a really, really tough defense. Um, and also like the way the game ended is seared in people's minds and it looked bad for him. Uh, but really it was just Micah Parsons making a great play on that second down play. And that was kind of what ended it. So I'm not, I'm not kind of swinging too far in the other direction, but I'm not making a play on the Chargers here, even though I would want to, because you know, the way these two teams play and, and typically like short-term history of two teams playing against each other doesn't really mean much because it's like, well, you know, who are the players, who are the coaches, like things change. But in this case, it really has been two very similar teams for several years now. This is the Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes rivalry. You know, Pat, uh, Andy Reid and and Brandon Staley have been coaching these teams for three years now. And every time these teams play, it is it is tough fought. And whoever is losing scores. Uh, the team that's winning has a hard time putting the other team away. And it, a lot of that has to do with how these teams are built. Um, and even with the, the Chiefs defense being a little bit better this year, I still think the Chargers can score when their back's against the wall and they're forced to be aggressive, you know, if you look at the six serious conversion rates in, in Monday night's game, based on whether or not the Chargers passed on first down, it was significantly better when they passed on first down and teams that are trailing in the second half tend to pass more on first down. So I think that this is an example of, of the very rare uh, non Wong teaser that I like. Um, one of the advantages to teasing, you know, five and a half to 11 and a half is that some books will tailor the price of the teaser based on uh, the specific numbers you're getting. And so there are some books that will give you a better price on a teaser if you use a leg like this. And so that's kind of what I'm looking to do here. Um, 
I, I don't think the Chiefs uh, have a win by 12 plus in them here. Uh, very, very, very few outcomes involve that range. Um, so for me, there's value in getting all those numbers up to 11 and a half on the Chargers. And the math guys are going to skewer me, and I don't mind <laughs> as a wing back. It sounds vibey to me. <laughs> yeah, it, it is not vibey. It is uh, very, very mathematical. I can tell you how many lines of code my, my program has, but uh, uh, <laughs> it is not vibes. I think you're on mute, Noonan. Look at that. Always do for once or twice a year. Uh, we haven't seen the Chiefs really take advantage offensively. We haven't seen this next level of offense. You know, they play historically bad Broncos defense at home and struggle to, you know, put up 20 points in that matchup. Now, again, that's recency bias. I don't want to overrate it, but um, you know, where are we at with the chiefs? Um, you know, is this a team that we do think can run away and hide? And that's kind of why I think it makes sense Clark, you know, to through the seven and through the 10 uh, to be able to get a little extra points and cushion here on a chiefs team that just doesn't seem to be able to, to beat anyone uh, very handily so far this season. What are your thoughts, Connor? It's interesting because the Chargers right now are dead last in explosive pass rate allowed, 30th in pass CPA per play, 25th in success rate. And when you think about that in the context of like, oh, okay, well now Patrick Mahomes draws that matchup. But the issue is like the Chiefs offense this year, 17th in explosive pass rate. They're good in EPA per play, and obviously they're moving the ball consistently with you know Travis Kelsey over the middle, but they're they don't have that quite a like splash effect they've had in years past. And I think that might come more into effect with you know Rasheed Rice kind of playing a bigger role. But I mean Sky Moore has been like an absolute nobody. MVS is basically just running cardio out there each week. Like they don't really have any of those guys that can push and stretch the field as much as I think to like maximize. Uh, you know, kind of like Patrick Mahomes' skill set, to be honest, at this point. So, and take advantage of what the Chargers are not doing well, which is stopping explosive plays. Now, I don't think they're doing a whole lot well stopping the pass in general, but I think that that is one significant way where maybe the this game would get out of hand is if the Chiefs were able to hit a couple of big plays, but I'm just not really sure that they're there yet in terms of their offensive progression throughout the season. And then the, the Chiefs' pass defense has been pretty good, you know, overall, like top five in a lot of different metrics. Their run defense has been, you know, about average, if not below average in a lot of different metrics. So maybe we see the Chargers rely more on a little bit more on Austin Eckler. Maybe we see them rely more on the run, which I think should be pretty successful in this spot here. So I'm interested to see how this game plans out. I would probably lean towards Chargers plus five and a half, but it's not like a strong play of mine or anything. Yeah, the one thing the Chargers defense has been really good at has been getting pressure on the quarterback. That's something that the Chiefs just don't allow you to do. And then Mahomes himself is so good at avoiding pressure as well. So that kind of mitigates one of their their bigger advantages. So yeah, I would like to see an, another level for the for the Chiefs um before having a ton of confidence in them here. I kind of agree with Clark. I mean, I like what he did with the teaser leg, to be honest, because um, I just don't think we've seen that next level where the Chiefs can run away and hide from someone. Again, if you're not going to be able to do it from for Denver, uh, I don't have a, a great feeling that you're going to be able to do it for the Chiefs or for the Chargers, who I think will continue to find their footing a little bit in terms of like, again, the young group didn't come off the bye and look great, you know, getting Quinton Johnston in the mix and stuff like that. But I think over time that'll help a little bit here and expect them to kind of, you know, find their footing here moving forward. So. Uh, interesting game and impactful for sure. Uh, the Chargers have a shot here. The officer are getting close. Yeah, and, and to then, take advantage of this one. All right, next, Miami is in Philadelphia. Eagles I was are. I just say the defense oh, uh, played much better on Monday night with with some guys coming back, Doran James and Joey Bosa. So the Chargers' defensive metrics are a little bit yeah. skewed. So I, I think the under the under being played in this game coming down a bit makes sense to me with the way the Chiefs' offense has been playing and the way the Chargers' defense is starting to play better. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. Total actually does feel a little high. Um, this next total. 
Should be higher, I feel like. Uh, Miami and Philly, Eagles, two-point favorites here. Total on FanDuel, 51.5. We've uh, gone to 52 in some spots as well. I just don't think we see many punts, Clark. Uh, Dolphins have put up video game numbers in all but one game this season. That was the Bills game. Uh, they turned it over in the red zone multiple times in that game. So, like, even that, they were able to move the ball uh, with no problems. Uh, and this Miami defense, I think, in this game is the worst unit of, of anything in this game. I think Philadelphia is able to move the ball absolutely up and down the field on them. Um, should be an entertaining one, hopefully. Uh, we've had some of these you know, higher-profile games that we want to be entertaining have been somewhat duds this season. Uh, but hoping this one lives up to the billing here. Clark, let's get started with Dolphins and Eagles. Yeah, sure. This this is my highest projected offensive rating uh, combined that I've ever projected in a game. Um, the difference between the offenses and defenses on this field is going to be wild. Weather is going to impact the score a little bit, potentially. Uh, you know, if, if they were playing within a dome, I, I don't think that this total stays at 52. I think it shoots up. Um the Dolphins offense, I, I can't believe I'm this guy after all of our conversations in the preseason, but the <laughs> Dolphins offense is not getting the respect it deserves. Like, how is that? How is that possible? People are like, yeah, like they're really good offense, but like, how long can they sustain it? Like, this is just unsustainable. Like they did it against the Broncos. What does that really mean? You know, they weren't that good against the Bills and the against the one defense they faced. But like what they're doing is so repeatable and consistent and it like it's incredible to watch. It's incredible how easy it is for them. And it's frustrating for fans of every, every other team to watch. Cause it's like, why can't we do something like that? Right. Um, the answer is speed mostly, but also Mike McDaniel's play calling. He's, he's setting things up to where every time Tua drops back, the decision is made so quickly that the pressure from the defensive line is almost irrelevant. And and that's kind of been the thing for the Eagles defense is like they play well when they can get interior pressure on a quarterback that panics like Baker Mayfield. But when quarterbacks have been able to get the ball out outside the numbers or downfield, they've really struggled. Their secondary has not played well this year and receivers have just done whatever they want downfield. I really don't understand how the Eagles are going to stop the Dolphins passing attack. Um, and then their run run game is so lateral. It's so, so side to side that they're avoiding the middle part of that defensive line. that's so strong for Philadelphia. So I think the Dolphins are going to be able to run as well. Um, on the other side, I don't see how the Dolphins based on the way they've played to date are going to stop the Eagles run game. Um, and when you don't stop the Eagles run game, it makes the pass game easier. So I think there's going to be a ton of points here. Um, but I think, you know, again, running my Sims, I make it Miami by about half a point on, on median. So Right now, you can get Miami as an underdog on the money line for plus money, and I see value there. Um, it's not a ton of value because the Eagles are a very good team, and the, the Dolphins' defense hasn't been playing well. But the difference between these two teams is basically that I think the Eagles rely more on third-down conversions and rely more on you know players making really good plays in t in difficult situations, whereas I think the Dolphins' offense is much more it's like wow that was so convincing there was no way that play was going to fail it was just a wide open pass to Tyree Kill 15 yards downfield and two is accurate so to me there's there's less room for error on the Dolphins side of the ball when they have the ball um so I think the Dolphins have an edge here and I think uh provided there's no weather concerns I'm also comfortable playing the over yeah I have to see the weather the injury report on the Eagles side I think is impactful too Lane Johnson um I want to make sure that he's good it sounds like the reports are okay ankle injury but not a high ankle and, and uh possible to play here we've seen historically on off splits with Lane Johnson in and out of the lineup has been a pretty massive impact uh, to the Eagles and then defensively uh we need a couple of guys too Darius Slay uh needs to be in this one he's been dinged up they brought over 
Bradley Roby to play in the slot so that they can keep James Bradbury on the outside because Bradbury is good on the outside and not good in the slot, and that's what they did for a little bit. Uh, Roby's dinged up a little bit. Ruby Blankenship got dinged up last game. Jalen Carter, um, to your point, like if they're going to get pressure, uh, you know, over center and up the middle to make things a little bit messy for Tua, they need Jalen Carter in this game too. So the injury report on the Eagles side is something that uh, I'd want to see here as well in terms of like picking a side. Otherwise, I still think points are going to be uh, coming in bunches here. Connor, what are your thoughts on this one? The Eagles have played against the Patriots, Commanders, Bucks, Jets, and then allowed 364 yards and four touchdowns to Kirk Cousins and the Vikings offense and are 31st in explosive pass rate allowed on the season. Um, I mean, given the injuries, given what we've seen, like they haven't even played any tough teams. And then they played the, I guess their best defensive performances against the Rams. I mean, like the Rams have looked great, but like, it's not like they're infallible, you know, like their offensive line is not all that good. Like Philly was able to take advantage of that. And like, you know, there are so many more holes there. Whereas this Dolphins team, they're just so multiple. They're able to, you know, stretch the run to the outside. Like you said, like they, the way that they're running the ball to is so different with, you know, getting their, these guys a full head, head of steam before they get their hand able to hand the ball up. Whereas like they're leveraging that in outside zone, basically aligning them like shoot through the gaps instead of like having to explode on their own explosiveness. So it's, it's just, I think so significantly different here. I like Miami team total over 24 and a half. I do think that Philly probably has success offensively as well. For a lot of the reasons you mentioned, the Dolphins defense has not really played all that well. So, but I will say though, that like they're, you know, a lot of their biggest weakness is like underneath. And we saw, you know, Bryce Young have a, I would say pretty solid game for the most part, uh, you know, underneath uh, and made a couple of mistakes there, but you know, it's had a pretty solid game underneath and like, you know, I'm not sure that that's something that Jalen Hurts does particularly well, I would say, for the most part, uh, you know, digging and dunking underneath. But I do think, though, that in this spot, this Dolphins defense overall is not good enough. So I prefer the team total look. I would lean towards the Dolphins if I had to pick a side because, I, again, I'm just, like, most confident that this Dolphins offense is able to score and expose this Eagles defense that even coming into this year, I wanted to say it was overrated. We, we said in the beginning of the year, I'm like, this defense is good, but they're not – you know, number one, number two overall in, in basically every metric like they were last year. And I think that that's going to be shown here. Yeah, I mean, the pressure metrics were massively unsustainable. We knew that they were going to be uh, coming back down to earth a little bit. And we've seen it. Yeah, I just I feel like, again, this is a spot where we get a little bit closer. We get a sense that this weather is maybe being overrated a little bit. Man, I'm with you. Like, I looked at both of these team totals and I'm like, ooh, uh, uh, getting the Eagles – over, you know, on the right side of a key number at 26 and a half, that's appealing to me. Uh, the Dolphins side, I'm with you guys, like very, you know, getting them anytime under at this point 27 feels like a play that we should be really considering because um, we just haven't seen them uh, challenge. And that's the thing too, like the Dolphins have been running away with these things. We haven't really seen them be in a spot where like these teams are having to push each other. We've kind of seen it a little bit with the Eagles too. Like when someone's like pushing tempo on them as well and making them kind of keep up, I think there's some ceiling to both of these offenses that we haven't really seen yet. So going to be a really interesting one. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm just hopeful for a entertaining primetime game with uh, hopefully a crap ton of points. So, um, and then teaser like, that's your thing too, right? Where, you know, dolphins are, you know, plus two and a half, you get them. If you like the dolphins, they're your side, all of a sudden uh, eight and a half, you feel pretty good about that. All right. Next uh, San Francisco on Monday night is in Minnesota. FanDuel is at San Francisco minus seven. There are six and a halfs in the market as well. It's like the total basically 44 and a half across the board. 
again, injury report wise for the Niners is something that we uh, will want to see. I don't know if it matters in terms of your thoughts on this, uh, Clark, but you know, CMC, Trent Williams, Dre Greenlaw, Debo Samuel, all either dinged up last game or uh, in the case of Greenlaw, didn't play at all. Uh, but this you know Vikings team, first time we saw them last week without Justin Jefferson was not overly impressive. Uh, they were so reliant on explosive plays through the passing game with Justin Jefferson. And just going to be hard to kind of drum those up quite as consistently here without a moving forward. What are your thoughts on Niners and Vikings? I think not overly impressive is the most generous description <laughs> of the Vikings offense you come up with. You they, prior to that game with Justin Jefferson, they averaged 0.023 EPA per play and 45.9% success rate on passes. Uh, that came against the Eagles, the Chiefs, who we talked about is good, the Bucks, pretty good, uh, Chargers and Panthers defenses. They then go against the Bears, one of, if not the worst defense in the NFL. Granted, they got some cornerbacks back for that game, but they're still not a good defense. And they averaged negative 0.176 EPA per play and a 41.2% success rate on passes. Their offense was atrocious compared to what they've been with Justin Jefferson. And you you can't you can't overreact to one game, right? Because it's like, well, you know, it could have just been a bad game. They're still figuring things out. They got to get those roles sorted out. But it's also important not to underreact to the fact that their best player and one of the best players in the NFL, one of the most impactful non-quarterbacks in the NFL was missing. And they were significantly and notably worse throughout the game. Um, when you do that, your wide receiver two has to play the wide receiver one role. Your wide receiver three has to step up into the wide receiver two role. You rely more on your tight end. And this, everybody is playing a position that they're not used to. They're playing, you know, more difficult competition. And we've seen this time and time again, when, when a dominant wide receiver misses. So, significant downgrade to the Vikings um, after that Bears game or before the Bears game, frankly. Um, and and then on the other side, <laughs> significant downgrade to the 49ers because like you said, CMC, Debo Samuel, Trent Williams, Dre Greenlaw, all very material pieces to this team. Um, but ultimately I have more faith that the 49ers are able to withstand some of these injuries than I am the Vikings uh, in part because they have other weapons. They have a coach who can scheme things up based on the personnel who's available. And they have until Monday night to get that game plan prepared. Um, I think that Brock Purdy had a tough game for sure. But a lot of it was long second downs, long third downs due to penalties. There was some miscommunications after Debo Samuel went out and they were playing Ray Ray McLeod in his position and he was out of position and they were trying to figure out, you know, you're standing in the wrong place, get over there. And then the crowd's getting crazy and you know, the wind and the weather and Brock Purdy's tiny hands were unable to grip the football. He, you know, he drops it one time, like all of this craziness happened in that game. And they still against the best defense in the NFL drove down the field late in the game to set up the winning field goal. And they missed the field goal. That has nothing to do with predicting how good this offense is going to be in, against the Vikings. Um, so I, I, I think the, the, the 49ers bounce back here. And I think in particular, their defense, if they only miss Dre Greenlaw, or hopefully if he's back, will absolutely crush this Vikings offense that has nobody to turn to now that Jefferson's out. I think it's going to be a real struggle. And I think what that's, that's going to do is lead to a lot of possessions by the 49ers. And so even if they don't quite get things, you know, 100% without these guys, I think they'll have enough opportunities to get enough drives going and eventually kind of lean on the Vikings until they they kind of run away with it. So I, I, I don't mind laying the points here with the Niners, uh, even six and a half expensive or seven cheap. You know, either way, it's, it's a good bet in my opinion. Yeah, um, I'm with you there, Connor. What are your thoughts on uh, on this Monday night matchup? Pretty wild. The Vikings last week ratcheted up their blitz rate to 70% against the Bears last week, uh, knowing that Justin Fields struggles under pressure and just basically hoping to get home as much as possible. Um, 
and obviously he didn't finish the game, but it's not like he looked very good prior to that anyway. So um, now it's interesting. What do they do in this spot? Right. Because you have probably Debo missing, who is their primary zone beater, you know, according to the splits, Ayuk is more of their man beater. Does that mean that Kittle gets more involved with this kind of sitting into some of the zones? Does that mean, but if Trent Williams misses, does that mean that he has to stay in the block more and kind of like do some more max protects? So I think that there's some, an interesting dynamic with how these injuries shake out and how it could impact the 49ers offense. Now, that being said, I have a lot of faith and we have a pretty big sample of Kyle Shanahan just figuring it out and kind of like, you know, being able to scheme against if the Fort, the Vikings do decide to blitz basically every single play or every other play, uh, you know, how that goes here, because I could see the Vikings very easily looking at, you know, what happened last week with just getting pressure on Purdy and no one really get to be able to get open. And, uh, you know, at times, and I think, trying to smother them a little bit, especially without CMC. So for me, it's probably playing the Vikings team total. We're looking at that over 17 and a half. I think that we're probably going to see maybe, you know, definitely not a ceiling performance here from the 49ers offense. Um, and I think that probably slows down the game state a little bit. And then like you guys have mentioned here, I still have pretty good confidence that the 49ers defense slows down the Vikings offense. So I think that we're probably looking at, uh, you know, 49ers win. I think the spread's about right. Um, but I think that the team total is still a little bit too high over the 17 and a half, 18 and a half in some spots too. I like the six and a half too. If you can find them, I do think it is viable. And uh, again, another interesting, uh, you know, teaser leg, not a great teaser leg in the sense that you're not teasing through the seven, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, see if we get any action on that. I think that that's in play too. feel really, really good about San Francisco bouncing back and getting a win here. Um, and that's kind of all we're trying to do with uh, with a teaser leg on that one. Uh, I, anything else on the board for you guys? Here real for, quick. I just, just want to say, ahead. yeah, I just want to say that like, the the injuries I, I i tend to try to assume the worst for the side that i'm betting you know like would i still make this bet if these guys don't go and and for me that's close but you know i heard that cmc's issue was a pain tolerance issue as you know whether or not these reports are accurate coming out like they've been kind of shoot them up baby fire them up but like you're telling me if it's a pain tolerance issue christian mccaffrey's not going right um it, maybe it's more than that maybe this report was bad and then with the other guys, all of them, not serious injuries, you know, so, and it's a Monday night game. Like they have time to prepare. There is a chance that these guys go. And if that's the case, then I think we'll see this number go up. That's, that's my, that's definitely. My yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, Clark, back to you. Anything on the board here for week seven that we didn't touch on that is uh, of interest to you, your circle, any situations you're monitoring, whether it's injury report or weather related, anything like that? Yeah, I gave out half a teaser leg. So the other the other leg that I paired it with was the the Seahawks at home against Arizona. Although <laughs> is Kyler Murray playing? Like I don't know what I don't know what's going on with that. But um, no, my numbers. I don't think are, so. I I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think Murray. I think playing. Just, I mean, I just it was surprising yeah. to see that report. Uh, but my numbers makes I like Seattle against the spread. This is a good example of a situation where I like the favorite at seven and a half. Uh, but I'd rather tease it down to one and a half than, than play the spread just because of the, you know, you, the value you can get with a one, one leg like that. Um, that's, that's the spot I'm looking at. And then the other, the other one I bet today was uh, the over in the Patriots bills over 40 and a half or over 41 um, playable, either of those numbers, you know, there's potential weather in that game that, that you should probably keep an eye on. Uh, you know, some people prefer to wait until they have confirmation on the weather. I tend to think that, you know, sometimes you'll miss a good number of waiting. In this case, both defenses are completely banged up and haven't really been exposed by good offenses yet. And I think the Bills are going to really crush the Patriots defense in a way that their previous opponents haven't been able to, the Raiders and the Saints. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, I think the Patriots offense is getting a little bit underrated just because they've played so many good defenses and not look good doing it. 
And when the narrative is so dominant in one direction, there's usually a little bit of value going the other way. So I think the Patriots can put up a few points against the Bills defense missing Milano and Trey White and Daquan Jones. And now there's other guys on the injury report, um, both in the secondary and on the defensive line. So uh, whether or not the Bills cover the spread, I'm not sure. But but I think the Patriots can put up enough points to to kind of get this game over the over the low number of 40 and a half, 41. The sentiment is correct. I mean, that offense is absolutely abysmal to watch right now. It is painful in New England. Uh, nothing going very well there at all. Another great teaser, like two, I think the, uh, you know, there are eight and a half out there still in the Bills. You want to bring that through the seven and the three. I think that makes a ton of sense. You can sell me on the Bills team total, but uh, having New England have to carry their, their water at all makes me a little bit nervous. Connor, anything that you're looking at here for week seven? Yeah, uh, the Colts team total being at like 19 and a half against the Browns was is really surprising to me. I mean, that seems really, really high considering they're starting Gardner Minshew. He looked I, – I, mean, I thought he looked terrible for a lot of the game. Uh, and so, you know, made a lot of mistakes. And we know that it's like Cleveland. It looks like Deshaun's not going to play again, so they're just going to run the piss out of the ball. Uh, you know, so it's like – I mean, it's going to be a low-scoring game, and like I don't, I think that Cleveland probably wins here. But I, I just am surprised that we're getting this even over seventeen and a half. Like I think we're looking at you know much more of a low-scoring game here. And if anyone's scoring, I think it's going to be the Browns uh, via the ground and maybe some long plays in the passing game because this Colts secondary is not very good. Yeah, that one caught my eye too. Who's on the list of uh, you know team totals that I thought were were pretty interesting because. I don't know, the Gardner Minshew experience has not been uh, very smooth so far uh, this season. The other one, I really like the Cardinals team total. That kind of goes in line with with uh, Clark's points there. You're getting the Cardinals under 17 and a half, I think, is pretty interesting. Like Seattle's run defense has been awesome. Um, and you're going to basically make Josh Dobbs play one-handed. Um, I feel like that's not a place that uh, any offense wants to be. So that's, especially with James Conner out, it's kind of a three-headed monster of you know, and monster, and I use that term very lightly. It's not a great running situation there in uh, in Arizona. So having the Cardinals have to get over 17 and a half, I think is going to be a stretch for them this week. Uh, what do we make of the uh, Raiders-Bears game, Connor? This is going to be uh, an interesting one. Same thing, like, I mean, I, I don't have a lot of confidence in the Raiders' defense, but the Bears team total is 17 and a half as well. Um, I feel like taking Division II rookies um, – under is probably a good play historically. Uh, any thoughts on Raiders Bears? Tyson Badgett, you know, elite prospect, mm-hmm. dominated in Division Two. Great karaoke skills. Not sure if you guys saw that video. Got a lot of intangibles. You know, beat out PJ Walker in the preseason. You know, elevated his stuff. Uh, I mean, that being said, I I think this Raiders defense sucks. Like, I mean, they played some terrible teams, and they're still allowing like they were still allowing like decent completion percentage, over sixty percent completion rate, rate like. I think it was close to seven yards per attempt against like these garbage quarterbacks. Um, and now Tyson Badgett is definitely a garbage quarterback, but um, I don't know. I can't, I just can't get there. I mean, the bears defense played reasonably well last week against the Vikings. I don't, again, Devonte Adams not practicing today. Like I think the, the we're going to see the Raiders start probably Brian Hoyer in this spot. I think, I don't think they're going to start O'Connell again. So for me, it's like, I mean, for fun, I might throw some money on the bears money line because I like to watch the world burn, but uh, you know, it's just like I don't have a true take on it. The Bears are smart. They just, you know, just fold up shop, man. You have a chance to really change your franchise in a big, big way. Don't, uh, uh, you know, players. I don't can tank. fix the Bears right it. now. So I, can, I can, I, I can literally fix the Bears franchise. Anyone listening, you got connects to the Bears. You hire me. I'll do it for fucking free. 
I will literally fix your franchise in a year, and I promise you, you will have a winning record in 2025. It's it's that easy. Trade away Justin Fields, hire an offensive court, a good offensive coach, and then draft Caleb Williams, draft Marvin Harrison Jr., and log out, and you're fine. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. What a mess. Uh, that one's going to be, I don't know, interesting to watch. Um, we have six bye weeks or six teams on bye, so like we're going to have to watch that game. Um, but, hey, this is what it is. It's football and uh, be nothing learned, but uh, interesting nonetheless. Max Crosby, I imagine, eats in that game. Um, it makes it very hard. I mean, the rest of his defense is, is pretty trash, but I imagine he uh, he probably keep, has. Keep up the Raiders' so. defensive slander, man. Like, I bet on the Raiders, like, <clears> they've <throat> been really good to me. I, I You know, they, they've played Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, uh, whoever, <laughs> Justin Herbert. <laughs> <laughs> like Jordan Love, okay. Mac Jones, okay. Um, and then Kenny Pickett. I don't think that's actually that's that like bad four trash guys, four like the worst. That was not great. That's not a great list. But, but tell me who's played good quarterbacks. Nobody's playing good quarterback right now, right? So half, yeah, the, half the quarterbacks in the Giants. league are trash. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, I've, I actually think the Raiders' defense is underrated. I think they've been playing pretty well. So I mean, I. I don't mind that everyone thinks they suck because there's been value on them the last two weeks. So you know, keep it up. So are you laying the three? I no, I, I I don't even know who's playing quarterback. I'm just just I I just have a yeah. I think the Raiders have been per, like underrated throughout the season, and every week people are like, oh, this defense is trash, and it's like, are you watching? They're they're not bad. They're <laughs> oh man. I mean, if the it's defense is even a bunch of jabronis. <laughs> It is. It, Crosby's playing so well. You just don't see like defensive ends like that play every single snap. Crosby's a dominate. Monster. He's a monster, dude. He's been so good. So it sucks for him. He's not really a viable defensive player of the year candidate because his defense isn't great and his team's not very great. But yeah, we'll see. <laughs> uh, long way to go. Maybe Jimmy G comes back. They find their groove. We finally get some good Josh Jacobs games. He's getting the work and all those things. We'll see. So Tyson Badgen drops 30 and Clark's <clears throat> got to wear a Cubs hat. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> all right, guys. Uh, anything else for the people? Nothing else for the people? All right. Uh, we're that winning on props every week, for, so uh, join we... the discard. <laughs> yeah. Props have been good. Props have, uh, props have been good. We're going to keep it going this week. So uh, come back on Friday for the prop show. Prop drop at uh, 3 p.m. Eastern here on the 444Bets YouTube channel. Podcast feed as well. 444.com slash plans. Promo code YouTube gets you 25% off of the already discounted subscription. Again, access to everything that we do. All the bets, all the tools, all the articles. Uh, you want NBA picks. Uh, we a a uh, very, very thirsty group that is dying to bet uh, NBA ladders and, uh, you know, help you build your bankroll, uh, you know, basically between Sundays on the uh, on the NBA side. Uh, Kevin O'Brien uh, is going to be doing good stuff for us there. More information on that to come here in the uh, coming days. NBA starts on Tuesday. We're excited about it. So uh, good stuff as always from Clark and Connor. We will see you on Friday. Thanks, everybody.